uh, what a blessing to have a family that sings like that and uh, leading us in praise and worship this morning. It's good to be in God's house this morning. I read or I listened this week to a, um, a new radio station that I like in Barberton where Mr. Z was interviewing a pastor called Pastor Dan. And he was asked him the question, would you say most church people in your churches love God more or love America more? Of course, this being July 4th and the time that we celebrate America. So anyhow, he was telling how they did a poll of pastors, and they said the pastors answered this for their congregations. 53% of the pastors said they would answer their people love America more than God. But I trust you're not among those. Other interesting thing was that uh, he also said that possibly at least 90% of those same people, if they were asked a question directly, they would answer the other way around. We love God more than America. Well, I'm glad to be living in America, in a free country, and it's a privilege to worship God together. Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Exodus 20, verse 20. Exodus 2020. Earlier this year, had the privilege to be in Kenya, Africa, and they usually have a verse for the year. And theirs happened to be taken out of Second Chronicles 2020, where Jehoshaphat talked about, the, and they call it the year of, uh, of, of exalting Christ and like that. So I decided I'm going to go in my Bible. And I'm going to look at some verses. The year, the year is 2020. Look at some verses. Genesis didn't have a 20th verse in chapter 20. So I went to Exodus. And I read that verse. And I tried to apply it to myself. So I'm going to read it for you right now. Exodus 2020. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. It's talking about two different types of fear here, if you pick that up. Moses said to the people, don't be fearful. Because God's come to test you. Then he turned around and said, but I want his fear. Notice the capital H in your Bibles or in your whatever, however you're reading that. Capital H. But that his fear, God's fear, might be before them. I like to study different words, so I went to um, uh, my good uh, Hebrew dictionary, and I noticed that the word for not fear is yare, Y-A-R-E. But the word for his fear is a different word. It's the word yira, Y-I-R-I-A-H. So there's two different words. So I started thinking, well, God, what are you trying to say here? And I think you're well aware, as well as I am, that the first fear that he's talking about is the fear that you're afraid, that you're distressed, that you, that you stand back. And um, actually, a different dictionary definition is something unpleasant or an often a strong emotion that's caused by an awareness of danger or an anticipation of danger where we're frightened, anxious, or concerned. But I trust we identify with the fear of God as a holy awe and reverence for God. And that's what God wants us to have. So how do we want to define that today? What do we want to look at? 
My goal is to look at uh, Psalm 34 and look how it's defined there in two different ways, a very familiar psalm, and then look at different, um, different psalms and quite a bit in Genesis and Exodus. I found it interesting that the word fear is mentioned 450-some times throughout the Bible, but majority of those, 350-some, are mentioned in the Old Testament. So I want to try to put that together. What does that mean? The setting here where this is found is, as you well know, Exodus 20, where God gave the Ten Commandments. I'm not sure why, but I've had to wonder, why did God wait for 20, I have to think a little bit, uh, the opposite of 18, 2,200 years before he gave the Ten Commandments? The first 2,000 years, with Abraham coming on the scene uh, in the year about 2,000, and then uh, this, actually, I said 22, 2,600 years. And then the, the children of Israel, they lived through Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and Joseph at that period, and then 400 years captivity. Then when Moses came on the scene, it was all about 1,400 years before Christ. And then it all, I also noticed that, like, starting in verse 18, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning, the smoke of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled. They stood afar off. And they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we'll hear. Let not God speak with us, lest we die. And then that verse that I read about not fearing, but rather letting his fear control us so that we won't sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. That's what Moses did at that time. And then God spoke to them, kept on uh, explaining the Ten Commandments and how he wants us to live, a guideline for life. Well, if we talk about fear, the type that frightens us, and having God's reverential fear, let me tell you a little bit. If you would have been born in 1900, and uh, I, looking out at your faces, most of you were born in the latter half of the, 19, of the 1900s, but I had a grandma that was born on the year 1900. My parents were born in the 20s. And naturally, my wife and I were both born in the 50s. And uh, so that's why I say, looking out at your faces, most of you were born since that, majority of you. But if you would have been born in the 1900s, this is what you would have faced. In 1918, World War I, 22 million people perished. Soon after that, that's when World War I started. Soon after that, what happened? You're probably aware of it more than you would have been prior to the COVID-19. You know what I'm referring to? The Spanish flu. And according to the statistics, anywhere from 30 to 50 million people died during that epidemic. That's a vast number. The reason I tell you that is to just simply ask us this. Should we live in fear about what's surrounding our nation right now? I think we should live in, cal or in awareness and in calmness, but I don't think we should be overcome by fear. I like some of the songs that you sang this morning. I wrote two of them down. In your presence, all our fears are washed away, washed away. And another one was, for God is with me, therefore I will not fear. Many times when an angel would all of a sudden appear 
to God's people, and he had a message for them. You know how he started out, those angels, Gabriel and other angels? His first words out of his mouth were, fear not. Because when an angel appeared to them, there was like, what's going on? You know, all of a sudden, we don't know this, the circumstances of the various times. But, and then we'd also like to look at some verses in Genesis, how God encouraged his patriarchs during times of fear. So going back to the 1900s, I got carried away there. 1929, the Great Depression. 1930, the Dust Bowl that affected the Western states for many years. And I, I remember reading that, uh, that they found dust particles all the way from Texas and Oklahoma, like in the eastern states. It was that severe. And then World War II in 1939 through 1945. And then the other wars, like 50, Korean War, and then I remember well the Vietnam War. Uh, during that time. But that's just a little bit of a, a picture of somebody who would have been born in 1900. Those were some of the crises that they faced. So, all that to say, do we really have it that bad? We might face some things that we think, this is terrible. We've never seen anything like this. We've never experienced anything like this. But what is God trying to say through all this? What does God want to say to my heart? How does God want to encourage me for this specific situation? so that I can then in turn encourage you. That's my goal this morning. Um, I couldn't help but notice that one of our democratic, you probably know the phrase, uh, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. You know who spoke that, those words? Our good, a good president named FDR, Franklin Roosevelt. But the interesting thing was in 19, let me see, he he was there for 12 years, and I know he's, he died in 45. So in 1933, uh, at his first inauguration, because he had just ousted a Republican president, uh, and the people were anxious to hear, what does this new man have to say? And during his inauguration speech, he said he gave the country hope. Right in the midst of that Great Depression, he gave him hope that we don't have the fear what, what, what was this situation, but fear is a greater thing that it will take a greater toll on us than what the actual situation is, the depression. And through that, uh, through radio, a lot of people heard him on radio, were encouraged and helped build this nation back and snap out of that depression. I think it was God. It wasn't just FDR that did it, but just, well, so much for that. Now, turn to Psalm 34. I gave you a couple of illustrations and I want to end with a couple more. But Psalm 34 was written during a time of David's distress. David's distress for this situation was, if you look in your chronological Bible, which I started reading a, a couple of years ago, and I had intentions to read it all the way through, uh, and it was hard for me. So, but I go back to it every once, uh, once in a while because I, I learn a lot from it. But I found out that Psalm 34 was written, was actually the second psalm of David that was written. And it was written during a time as Saul was chasing and pursuing him. That's when he penned these words. And as he was pursuing him, he needed to hear from God. So some of the things that I want to hear, I'm going to read this whole chapter, but before I do, I just want to set the tone for this portion of Scripture. This is the words that I want you to hear. Five times he uses the word fear. So which word does he use? The one that being afraid 
or the one that trusts in God and awe, awe and reverencing. I'm going to call it number one fear or number two fear today because first of all, Moses said don't fear and then he said fear God. So which way is it used? You figure it out as we go through it. The other thing I want to notice as we read this is that 16 times the word the Lord is mentioned. So where do we set our hope and our courage and our strength? Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord, not from the fear. Um, hey, Jackson, would you bring me that water bottle that I have right behind me? Um, I'll just admit it. I'm struggling a little bit. I have a temporary plate in my mouth, and my mouth gets so dry. So if you see me drinking more water than normal, that's why. Anyhow, and the other thing I notice in this portion of Scripture is all five of the physical senses are involved. Ears, um, the mouth, tasting and tongue, seeing, eyes, looking, ears, hearing, listening, the face, it's the only one that I can find the nose on, but it's somewhere there, five physical senses, and how do we feel? We touch, but we touch with our hearts. So notice that. Also notice words like seeking, I sought God, I cried out, I pursued God, I departed from where I was, and words like a broken heart and a contrite heart. So with that in mind, listen to these words. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. I have to bring this out yet. Five times, no, four times the word deliver is used in this portion of Scripture as well, which means being set free. Back to verse 5. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps all around around those that fear him and delivers him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those no, there's no want to those who lack, excuse me, there's no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the Fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off from remembrance, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. And delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones. No one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Wanted to read that whole psalm just to give us a picture of what God wants to do when we feel troubled, when we feel fearful, 
God wants to calm our hearts. God wants us to live in peace. God doesn't want us to be all worked up or anxious or distressed. He wants us to trust him during times like that. I'm not sure if you noticed or not, but the first time fear is used in verse 4, I sought the Lord, he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. That's number one fear, the kind that we're afraid. But all four of the other times, like the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, have a holy reverence and awe for God. All four of the other times, that's what God is communicating to us. So I'm encouraged when I read that. Uh, a couple other Psalms I just want to refer to. Psalm 23, I will fear no evil because God is with me. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength. Therefore, I will not fear. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. Of what shall I be afraid? And then it says, my heart, the way we feel with our heart. My heart shall not fear. That's what God is saying to us. Several other examples I just want to share with you are found in Genesis, and um, uh, you can turn to them if you want to, but I'm just simply going to refer to them. In Genesis 21, the story of Hagar, the Bible says God heard the voice of Hagar Oh, excuse me. God heard the voice of the lad referring to Ishmael, Hagar's son. And the angel then came and said to Hagar, Fear not, in verse 17. God has heard your voice. Excuse me, I get mixed up there. God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. That's one of the first times that the word fear is used in the Old Testament. One of the first of 450 sometimes. Why do I like that? Why do I want to encourage you with that? Because God is the same for us today. He knows where we are. That's saying He knows our situation. Um, Chris, I think you mentioned about Marcus and some other people that might be struggling right now. Uh, I know people at Gospel Haven that are struggling with the virus right now. I'm not saying that Marcus has a virus. I just know that he's been, he's been ill, not feeling well. But regardless where we are, isn't it encouraging to know that God knows where we are? He reminded Hagar that even though your lad is crying out, your young man Ishmael, probably at age 13 or under, God was hearing him and knowing where he is. And then in chapter 26, where the Lord appeared to Isaac and he said, I am. Fear not, I am with you. And it, earlier it said that the Lord appeared to him and told him, don't go down to Egypt when there was a famine, when there was a crisis. But then he reassured him, because I'm going to be with you. Israel, on his journey, First of all, let me go back and just mention this. Four times in Jacob's life, God appeared to him in the form of an angel or the form of a dream, and every time he reassured him, Jacob, I'm going to be with you. When was the first time? When Esau was trying to kill him. In chapter 28, I think, if I know right. 
Esau had said, I'm going to kill him as soon as uh, the days for the morning of, uh, or I'm going to kill him as soon as I can. And Jacob fled, and his father Isaac encouraged him to go to his mother's brother, land, Laban's land. So God, as he, as he was fleeing, as he laid down and had that dream, remember that stair step going to heaven? God reassured him that I'm going to be with you as you go. So about 20 years later, when he fled from Laban, after he had children, after he had two wives, and he had, had started building up, as he was fleeing from Laban, he was fearful. God appeared. I think that was verse chapter 32, without looking. But God appeared to him and said, Laban's coming to meet you, but don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. The next thing in life that's recorded is how he was going to face Esau. And when you realize that Esau is coming after being apart, he didn't know, you know, they didn't have communication like we do today. He was coming with 400 men. So naturally, fear struck him again. And the reason I tell you this is because fear is a natural response or emotion that all of us feel. So we will feel that emotion, but what do we do when that emotion comes? That's really what I want to encourage you with. What do we do? So in that situation, Jacob realized that his Esau is coming with 400 people, going to be against him. So God showed up again and told him, you don't have to fear, I'm going to be with you. And now in chapter 46, I started mentioning, and this was about 22 years after Jacob had, or after his son Joseph had left, in the latter part of his life, he was on his way down to Egypt. And he didn't know what he's going to expect because God had let him live in the promised land or with Laban or somewhere in that region all his life. And all of a sudden, he was totally knocked out of his comfort zone because his brothers came home and said, Joseph's still alive. You remember that story, right? Joseph's still alive. So as he was on his way down to Egypt in chapter 46, this is what the Bible says. Israel journeyed. And he came to Beersheba, so what did he did? do? He built an altar, telling God that I want the people around me to know, I want my family to know that I fear God, I'm going to make a sacrifice, I'm going to uh, build an altar. And then he had a vision, and God came on the scene and said, I am God. Don't fear to go down to Egypt, because I'm surely going to go with you, not only am I going to go with you down to Egypt, but I'm going to bring your people back to this land again. Wouldn't that have been encouraging? I'm going to bring you back again. And then he said something that we can relate to. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. That's literally what he said. Joseph is actually, in other words, you're going to see Joseph. You're going to see him physically after being apart from him at least 22 years, according to calculations in Genesis Joseph is literally going to touch your eyes again, and you're going to see him. After all those years of mourning and thinking he's not, he doesn't live anymore. So all that just simply to encourage you that, yes, we will experience the emotion of fear. But what do we do about it? Do we go to God and trust his promises? Habakkuk, a beautiful story of how uh, he saw troubles, he saw woes, he saw tough times. But then he comes back and say, though the fig tree won't bloom, 
uh, he was a, a farmer, agricultural person. So though there's no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice, not in my circumstances, but in the Lord, my God. That's how he ends. I will glory in his salvation because God has rescued me and he's redeemed me. We hear this story quite a bit, but I was reminded of this story. Um, I'm going to tell you two more stories um, as I wind down and maybe share a few more psalms. But we heard a story of a man named, that was born in New York City and moved to Chicago. He moved to Chicago because he saw uh, the land was developing and real estate opportunities, and he was a real estate agent. He was blessed with four daughters and one son. And several times the story says that he uses this phrase, I was blessed beyond measure. You might be picking up on what, where I'm going because I know you've heard this story. But in 1871, he lost his son, his only son, to scarlet fever. Later that same year in 1871, there was the great Chicago fire. He lost most of his real estate holdings when I think a third of the city was burned. And uh, so you're familiar with that story. So what I want to get to is what he said that we don't often hear. We just heard that part of the story. But this was his response after he had sent his wife then to, oh, by the way, and he was a God-fearing man. He had helped in D.L. Moody's campaigns. The reason he was going to England with his family is to help with D.L. Moody's campaigns in England. But something came up that he couldn't go, and I think you know the story that he sent his four daughters and his wife ahead, and mid halfway through the Atlantic Ocean, they had a crash, and I think 200-some people lost their lives, and his wife sent him the telegram, saved alone. And I think the story had gone on to say that they were, because of the, the struggles they were had, they thought they'd revived their hope, by, um, by trying something new and trying England and uh, hope and a change of scenery would lift their spirits and their family again two years later. But this is really what I want to say. A few weeks later, when he crossed the Atlantic Ocean, when the captain told him, we're now at the spot where we think your wife, your four daughters drowned where that accident was, this is what he said. In the midst of a pain, in the midst of my pain, I cling desperately to my faith in God. My sorrow becomes hope because of my faith in my God. Even on the darkest day, we can overcome. That's the part that we don't often hear. We just hear the story. So the reason I tell you that is just to encourage us again today regardless what our situation is that brings fear. I mentioned COVID-19. I'd just like to mention a few other things that bring fear to us. Fear of the unknown. Fear of failure. Fear of the future. And sometimes that includes job security, family security, money security, fear of death, fear of hurt. Fear of rejection, fear of pain. Those are some of the other things that we face in life. It's not just a situation. I told you the story about the 1900s. 
just to set a tone to make us realize that people have lived through situations worse than what we're in right now. This past week, I went to the, had the privilege to go to a viewing of a 90-year-old Amish man. I went because my mom and his wife were first cousins, but the main reason I went is this Amish man who passed away a week ago, age 90, was in a car in 1946 that my mother's brother was in, my uncle. And he got stuck in the mud during the night. And you've probably heard this story. It took place uh, a little bit between Freiburg and Mount Hope, going north of the township house there, uh, before there were blacktop roads. Uh, They got stuck in the mud. It was in the spring, like March, and the roads were muddy and snowy. And it was so cold that they let their engine run. And three of the men didn't make it out of that car. They passed away in the next two, two days or so from uh, the fumes from the, from the exhaust because their muffler was actually in the mud. Emmanuel Slayball, the man I went to see, he lived because there was a crack in the window. God was sovereign and let him sit at that window and he breathed enough air. I remember him preaching at my grandma or grandpa's funeral. I forget which one it was. And he told a story because... Uh, because my uncle was in that accident, he said how the doctor told his, his father when he didn't wake up. None of the boys were waking up. They were all in the hospital. And he told him, Harf, call your son. Call him loud. Call him clear. Call him. He's going to hear you. And he's going to wake up. And that's what he did. In a loud voice, his father started calling his son. His son's name was Emmanuel, Many. And he said, Manny, wake up, wake up. And he kept doing that numerous times during the night. And as a result of that, he woke up. He preached the gospel about 50 years. But this is why I tell you this story. Because God is a God of justice, and life doesn't always seem fair. Because I had to wonder, as I walked through that viewing and greeted that family, why did God choose to let a man live who told me I was not ready to die that night. I'm not sure what would have happened if that would have been me. So it makes me think, how responsible was my young uncle at that time for what they were doing that night and how they lived? See, God is a God of justice. God gives mercy. God gives grace. But the main thing that I want to encourage us is God gives us the strength to be overcomers regardless what our situation in life is. We don't have to be enveloped in fear. We don't have to live with, what am I going to do now? What's going to happen? What about the future? What about all these other things that I'm facing? Because God is a God of being an overcomer. I just want to close with one story yet, and that is Joshua and Caleb in number 13 and in Deuteronomy. I'm sure you know that story as well. When the spies came back, ten men gave a report that we can't overcome. You know what? Why Joshua and Caleb lived another 40 years and made it into the promised land when millions of people died during those 40 years? Because Caleb had this attitude. Yes, the people there are big. They're giants. We're going to have a hard time. We're going to have to fight. 
but we can overcome. That's my encouragement to all of us today. As I started with the words in Exodus 20, saying, fear not, I am with you. But we want God's fear to be before us. That's how we started. Then we looked at some of the patriarchs. And what we picked out of that is the fact that in all of their lives, God always gave them the words of, that I'm going to be with you. I won't let you down. I will never leave you. I don't never forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, 7, and 8. It repeats it over and over. You don't have to fear. You can be an overcomer. That's my encouragement to you today. Thanks for listening. I'm going to pray, and as I do, I invite you to come and uh, sing another song. Let's bow our heads. God, as we looked at a few stories from nature, from life, and most of all, as we looked at Scripture, we're encouraged by the fact that we can be overcomers by faith in the blood of the Lamb. Our faith can be greater than our fears. Yes, we live in uncertain times. We don't know what the future holds. But God, my prayer is, if there's someone in here, seated under the sound of my voice, that just needs to hear the fact that God will be with us this week, this month, this year, encourage our hearts in that way. And help us to surrender our fears to God and let the fear of God the reverence and awe and respect of him be our guide in everything we do. Thanks for speaking to my heart and to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.